Once again, we'll look at Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to look at a few verses through it. As our Bible's open before us, once again, we'll just seek the Lord for a moment's prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we see here a great event in the history of man. Lord, how the Egyptians had held thy people for 400 years, but now you're going to let them go. And you're going to bring them the mother who tried to stop this event. And Lord, we remember even this last trail, this, this last plague, how Lord, the firstborn of each household would die if the blood wasn't applied. And so Lord, now we pray that you'll fill us with your spirit. You will guide us and show us the spiritual significance of this. And Lord, we pray, Lord, you'll open each one's understanding that we would understand this, the scriptures, that we would know the situation of our, if we are still in our sin without Christ. And Lord, we just pray that you'll bless thy precious word. We remember that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So bless our time together, we would ask, for we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. In this well-known chapter of the Old Testament scriptures, God was about to do a great thing. Remember, there was ten plagues sent on Egypt. The nine had already happened, and this tenth one was about to happen. And so Pharaoh uh, had hardened his own heart. But then at the last, it tells that even God hardened Pharaoh's heart, for he got harder and harder, and he didn't want to let the children of Israel go. But the Lord was going to bring them out, no matter how powerful Pharaoh thought he was. God was far, far greater than he. And so when he sent these various plagues, now Moses was showed the last one was going to happen. The firstborn in every household was going to die. When the death angel went throughout Egypt, the firstborn of each household was going to die. But God had showed the children of Israel that there was a means of escape. And that was, as we see there in verse 3, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to every them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So you imagine now the children of Israel, they had to go out into the big flock of sheep that they kept, uh, and the Egyptians didn't like the shepherds, but they, they had these flocks of sheep, and they had to go out, and there was that vast amount of lambs, they couldn't just pick anyone. It tells us there in verse 5, the lamb had to be without blemish a meal of the first year. So it wasn't just any lamb. They had to go out into this big flock of lambs and of goats and they had to pick themselves a lamb. Just was a lamb this time. They had to pick for their household. And so when we think of that, we remember about a lamb in the spiritual sense. We remember that Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. God had tried, tested Abraham that he was to go for a journey and up Mount Moriah and there he was to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac. This was a great test for Abraham. But Abraham was faithful and as he was going up that mount, Isaac noticed him and he says, Father, I see the wood and the fire but there's no sacrifice. And Abraham said these words, God will provide Himself, Allah. He didn't say God will provide for himself, Allah. God will provide himself, Allah. 
And that really, when we think of that, it was himself the lamb. So one day, God the Son was going to come down, manifest in the flesh to be a lamb, a sacrifice for sin. And Abraham was tested, and that's what happened. As he was about to smite Isaac with the knife, God says, no, we stopped him. And then, fair enough, he found a ram in the thicket, and they sacrificed that ram. But God in the spiritual sense said he would provide himself a lamb. So all prophecy of the Old Testament shows God would provide himself a saviour, the Messiah, as he was called in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the Christ, in the New Testament, a lamb. From our first parent's sin in the Garden of Eden. Remember, man was made in the image of God. Adam and Eve was put in the garden, but they were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day they would eat thereof, they would surely die. But sadly, they both sinned against God. Satan come and tempted Eve, and she was tempted, and she took of the fruit of that tree she wasn't to take off, and then she gave it to her husband, Adam, who took it with his eyes open. He took it with his eyes open, and so they sinned. They fell from that estate, and wherein they were created. But you know, something wonderful happened. God, in his mercy, showed them that one day he was going to provide a saviour. One, uh, in the... Genesis chapter 3 and the verse 15. And I will put enmity, speaking to the serpent here, between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Now if we get a heel bruised, it can be painful, but it's not life-threatening. But if we get a serious bruise or blow in the head, it's life-threatening. And that was showing that the seed of the woman one day would bruise Satan's head. And so that was the first we see of it there in Genesis chapter 3 and the verse 15. But then also the prophet showed about where this lineage to a lamb was to come from. At the minute they're still looking in a wider sense, looking for a lamb to come, a saviour, a messiah that, that was promised right through scripture. For then next of all we see it was to come through the seed of Abraham, through the lineage of Abraham, this a lamb was to come. And then Abraham had more than one child. We think he had Ishmael, as we remember. But even after Sarah died, he had other children. But this lineage was to come through Isaac, his son. But then also through Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. But the, the younger was to have the dominance over the older. It was to come through the lineage then of Jacob, a lamb that was to come that the Lord was going to send. But then also Jacob had twelve sons, the twelve tribes of Israel. And that uh, lamb was to come through the lineage of Judah. Then also we remember King David was of the lineage of Judah. And this lamb, a saviour, a messiah, was to come through the lineage of David. So we see when they were looking for this lamb for thousands of years, they were looking for all the things that were said in scripture to be checking out where this lamb was to come from. When, it, when he would come, they thought they would know who it was. But when he did come, there was very new, few knew that it was the Christ, the Messiah. But also it tells us there in the Old Testament where he was to be born. In Micah chapter 5 and the verse 2, it shows that he's to be born in Bethlehem. So when they were looking for this one to come, he was to be born in Bethlehem. But also we read there in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that he was to be virgin born. 
Now, this was a, a new thing to everyone to hear, this, that he was to be virgin-born. This never would have happened before or never happened since. So this was a unique thing, that this a lamb that they were looking for was to be virgin-born. But also in Psalm 22, it shows us that he was going to suffer. Now, the Jews didn't really see this. They were still looking for this Messiah, the Christ, to come to set up his kingdom. They didn't realize that the cross had to come before the crown. And so us as believers too, the cross must come before the crown. If we don't bear the cross, we can't expect to wear the crown. And so the cross had to come first. And Psalm 22 talked about this one that was to come, a lamb that was to come. His hands and his feet was to be pierced. We read that he was, look, all his bones was going to be out of joint. He was going to be so thirsty. And also that he was going to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And all they would mock him to scorn. They would laugh at him and they would mock him on that cross. All these things was to happen to this one, a lamb that they were looking for for those many thousands of years that they were waiting for the day that he would come. But also we see there in Isaiah as well, in Isaiah chapter 53 and the verse 3 to 7 and then 10 and 11. Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Then in verse uh, 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see if the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied by my knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. So we see here this a lamb they were looking for was one that was to come and take the sins of his people, suffer the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He was to come and suffer even the wrath of God upon him. Yet through this would many be justified in God's sight. So we see here this is they were looking for a saviour and a lamb that would come to suffer. Remember a lamb would have to be a sacrifice for sin. This one that was to come was to be a sacrifice for sin. And there, that's what they were looking for as well. But also then, it shows that he would die in our guilty room instead. But it also shows us there in Psalm chapter 16, or Psalm 16 and verse 10, that he would rise again. It shows us because this offering was accepted by God the third day, he would rise again from the dead. He would rise again. His body wouldn't see corruption. See, because of our sin, our bodies is put in the grave. And through time then, it starts to corrupt. But because this one was without sin, his body would not see corruption. Showed that his offering was acceptable to God. But then also we see there his betrayal. In Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 and 13, he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That would be the amount to be agreed for this one that was to come a lamb 
that was to be a sacrifice for sin. But also then, we read also the uniqueness of this, because he was also one that was truly God and truly man. For it tells us there, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. As we read in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9 and the verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we see here, this was just no ordinary man. These was the titles given to God. So we see here, this a lamb that was to come was going to be unique. It's going to be without sin. It's going to be virgin born. All these things, and he's to be truly God and truly man. So we see here what they were looking for here. And so as the thousands of years went on, they were looking for a lamb, a lamb, a savior, a messiah. And bit by bit it pieced together what they should be looking for when they were looking for a lamb. But then secondly we see the children of Israel had to pick out that lamb out of the flock. Then now they had come, they had a specific lamb. There when they looked the flock, it had to be without defect. They had to check that lamb. It had to be of the first year, a male. But then also, they had to check out that it wasn't lame. It wasn't blind in one eye. All his whole body had to be without defect. If they wanted to offer this lamb, if they want to sacrifice this lamb, that the blood would be applied. So they had to check it out. Now they'd come, they had found this lamb. They weren't just looking in the big flock now for a lamb. They had narrowed it down to this lamb. In verse 4 we read, And if the household be too little for this lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall you account for this lamb. Now it's away from the general of a lamb to this lamb. It's narrowed right down. This is the one they have chosen that they're going to bring into their house and sacrifice it and apply the blood. So we see then what happened. When Jesus started his public ministry, when he started, when we reached the age of 30, he started his public ministry on earth. And what was it? The forerunner to Christ was John the Baptist. And he was preaching to the people, many folly John. They thought he was that prophet. They were looking to him. But when he seen Jesus starting his public ministry, what did he cry out? Behold, this lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb. But now John was saying this thousands of years has passed. This is the one you've been looking for this thousands of years. Behold this lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So we see first of all we have to check this. This lamb had to have no defects to be a substitute to die for sinners. John had made a great statement here. He was saying this is the one that was going to be without sin. This is the one you've been looking for. So now we have the right to check this out to see what John said and to to examine it. John the Baptist said, This lamb. And so his coming, when he cried out, Behold, this lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So let's see if Jesus fits all the old prophecy statements. First of all, his lineage. In Matthew chapter 1, we read about 
the lineage, right, this was Joseph, although Joseph was Jesus, we could say his foster father, but it started right from Abraham, right to the birth of Christ, right through the tribe of Judah, right through King David, right to the birth of Christ. And in Luke, Luke goes right back to Eve, or Adam in the garden, right back to the seed of the woman. And there he brought it right through, and this was the lineage of Mary, right to Jesus' birth. So when we examine that lineage, we see this is accurate here. Jesus has come right from the lineage that was prophesied he would come from. And so in that, we can say, yes, John is accurate here. This is the right lineage for the Christ, this lamb, to come from. But then secondly, it tells us there where he was to be born. And then we think of where he was to be born. He was to be born in Bethlehem. And what happened? Well, we remember that Mary was full with child when Caesar Augustus, he decided that all the world was to be taxed. And Joseph, they all had to go to their hometown to be registered to be taxed. And so Joseph had to bring his wife, Mary, to go to be, to be registered for the tax, though she was full with child. And in the providence of God, when she was in Bethlehem, we all know the story, they could find no room in the inn, and there she gave birth to that child in a stable in Bethlehem. All through the providence of God. And we remember too that it was a virgin birth. We remember the angel come to Joseph. Joseph was thinking how to put Mary away privately. He thought she had been unfaithful to him. But the, the, the angel showed Joseph, no, this Mary is virgin birth conceived of the Holy Spirit. So in that too we see here that this is the one, the lamb, that they've been looking for all these years. But then also there we see in the four Gospels. We remember when Jesus started his public ministry then, his suffering on the cross. And we remember Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 that showed that this the lamb was to come was first of all to suffer and bleed and die for sinners such as we. And then he'd come back again in great power and glory. The Jews couldn't see this. They were looking for him to set up his kingdom. But here we see just as the prophecy said, Jesus through his trial, the great suffering he had at his trial, and then his hands and his feet was nailed to that cross. And then he was put on that cross and every bone was out of joint. He suffered the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. So we see here in all this, this is the lamb, the one that bore our sins and his own body in the tree. So we see in all this too, this is showing, this is the lamb that was spoken about. And this John had it absolutely correct. This was the one that he was going to cry out, I thirst, and they give him vinegar to drink. The one that cried out from the cross as the father turned his face away because he was the sin bearer now, and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So in all this we see John, right to now, he is showing this is the lamb that was to take away the sin of the world. But also he was to be a substitute for sinners. So we see in all this, it was the evidence given of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it also, remember, Judas betrayed him. Judas betrayed him. But also we remember that something else happened. The third day he rose again from the dead. Just as Jesus said, the third day he would rise again from the dead, his body would not see corruption. He told them before that the third day he would rise again. And that's what happened when they went to the tomb. The tomb was empty. He fulfilled the prophecy that his body would not see corruption. That showed that that sacrifice was accepted before God. But then we see Judas betrayed him. And what did Judas betray him for? 
30 pieces of silver. And there, that was the prophecy fulfilled too, that that's what the price would be paid to the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then also we see that Judas, after he betrayed him, what did he say? He said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Now you have to examine, this lamb was to be without defect. It was to be without fault. So Jesus said, I have betrayed innocent blood. In other words, what he was saying, he had betrayed the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That's what he had done. He had betrayed him. And he knew we have been with him for three and a half years that this Jesus, the Christ, the God-man, was without sin. So he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. And nobody would have been any closer to him than three and a half years other than the other disciples than Judas Iscariot. He would have been with them everywhere he went, most likely. And he watched his every step, and he betrayed innocent blood. But then also we find that Pilate, he tried him. He was an expert at trying all these people before they were sent to the cross or whatever the, 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 the punishment was going to be. And Pilate would have been an expert in this. But the most, un, the most unjust trial ever in the history of this world, Pilate condemned him, and he put him to death on the cross. He gave them to him to be crucified. But Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He found no fault in Jesus. He examined him, no matter what way he examined him, he could find no fault in him. And yet, he, he said, I, he condemned him to death, even though he said, I find no wrong or no fault in him. But then the thief, remember the two thieves on our side of the cross? At the start, they were both railing on him. But one thief, his eyes had been opened by, by the Lord, and he had seen that this was no ordinary person. And remember, this man would have been covered in blood, a crown of thorns, nailed to a cross. But one of these thieves started to see there's something more to this. And he, the other thief was railing on him, and he said, Look, we're here for those things we've done. We're here rightly so. But what did he say of Jesus? This man has done nothing amiss. And what did he say? Lord, remember me when I come into thy kingdom. You imagine that. One seemed to be just about to die on the cross. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So he knew there was more to this than just dying that physical death. He realized this was truly the Lamb of God that was to take away the sin of the world. So the thief says, this man has done nothing amiss. What about the Roman centurion? What did he say? When he seen Christ dying on the cross, when Christ cried out, it is finished, all that he seen up to there, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. He realized, this Roman centurion, that truly this was the Lamb that was to come to take away the sin of the world. And there, when we think of it, when Jesus was tried, he opened not his mouth. The Roman centurion could have seen that. He was brought as a lamb before the slaughter and as a sheep before his tears was done. So he opened not his mouth. But then they remember too as they brought him to the cross. You know, many of these men, when they were about to be nailed on that cross, they would have fought against those who were doing it. If they could have got something, they would have killed them. But Jesus would have willingly put out his hands and his feet to be crucified. Why did I say that? Because that's why he came into the world. Why would he have fought against something that he come to do? And the centurion would have seen this, that he gave his hands and his feet willingly to be crucified. 
And then he would have seen things happen about the sun being dark and that darkness for the three hours. The big earthquake that was as well. The graves was opened. He may have heard of this too. Some of the prophets would seen. But also then when he cried as finished, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. He seen this was no ordinary man. And what did he say truly? This was the Son of God. Jesus said of himself, Satan could find nothing in me. In other words, Satan would have tried him. He could find no weakness, no defect, nowhere that he could attack Jesus and succeed. Now remember, Satan, a spirit can go in places where we can't go. Some person we could think is a very good neighbor or whatever, but behind closed doors, they could be the worst of people. And we've seen that in the news many times. People they thought was good, the worst of people. But Satan could go right in there and he would see Jesus where the human beings could not see him. But he could find no weakness in him to attack him. And there, so we see, even Jesus said, Satan has found nothing in me. No weakness, no defect. Then, most of all, God the Father cried out from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The all-knowing, all-seeing, everywhere present God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In Jesus, we see then, truly, all the promises was fulfilled. The redemption price was paid. What did Peter say in First Peter chapter 1 and the verse 18 and 19? First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. For as much as we know we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus showed here, this is the redemption. We can never buy our salvation. We can never earn it. We're redeemed, not with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we see here a lamb that was they were looking for for thousands of years. Now John has said, the one you've been looking for, this is him. And all we see here, we can agree with John fully that this was truly the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. But then look at the next verse, in verse 5, it goes on to say, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. You see, we had a lamb in verse 3. We had this lamb in verse 4. Now we have your lamb. This is personal. This lamb was going to die that you would live, that the firstborn would live in this household. They now had picked out of the flock a lamb without defect, this was the lamb they were to use. Now it's going to be your lamb. They were going to take it and kill it so as the firstborn would live. It's not enough, you see, to bring it into the household. If they had done that, it would have made no difference. It wasn't enough that they killed it. Leaving it at that would have made no difference. The blood had to be applied. In verse 7 we see, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides, Post of the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat. It had to be applied to the doorpost. As the death angel would round, he had been looking about and he had been looking for the blood applied. Now the question is, you believe, I'm sure everyone here believes, the old prophecy, the testament prophecy showed there's going to be a lamb. And I'm sure most of us here would say, yes, if not all, that is the lamb. We know this is the Christ that has come. But now the question is, is he your lamb? Is he your lamb? Has the blood been applied to your heart and to your life? Have you repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior? 
Paul the apostle was able to say, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. He didn't say he's just given himself for the whole world. He's given himself for all those. He says the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Can you say that with full assurance of heart? The son of God loved me and gave himself for me. For it says there in verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, it didn't matter whether it was Moses or Aaron. Some of the chief of the children of Israel, Moses were kind of a very meek man, a very godly man. Aaron was to be the, the high priest. But it didn't matter. They had of the blood applied too. It didn't matter how religious they were, how self-righteous ours thought they were. The blood had to apply to them the same as of the wickedness of the children of Israel. Didn't matter where they were, whether they were very religious people or whether they were greatest of sinners. They had to have the blood applied to the doorpost if the death angel was not to come to that house. So we see here that the vilest offender as well as the most righteous needed the blood applied. He was looking. What was God looking for? The death angel was looking for the blood. But also we see not only did the blood save the people, but it sustained them as well. Because if you look there at verse 8 of that chapter 12, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So they were to go not only, they were not only going to be saved by the blood of the Lamb, they were going to sustain by it, they were going to eat on it, as they prepared for their journey to go to the promised land. So there, I would ask you today, has there been a date in your life when you have trusted Christ as your Savior? You may not even re- remember what date it was. You maybe never thought of writing it down then. But one thing you will remember if it happened. If you ever repented of your sin and trusted Christ, you will know it. Because when we are saved, we are born again of the Spirit of God. We are new creatures in Christ. And we will know, we will remember that event. We may not remember the date, even the month or the year. We may not, we may have been very young at the time, but you will remember if it happened. And so, as we say then, that's as the blood being applied to your heart. As a year lamb. As a year lamb. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27 tells us that nothing defileth shall enter into heaven. No sin will enter in there, but those whose names is written. In the Lamb's Book of Life. So I ask the question, is your name written there? In the mansion bright and fair, is your name written in the Book of Life? That happens when you repent of your sin and trust Christ as your Savior, and the blood is applied to your heart. But also there, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, it tells us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How are we going to escape? Well, the answer is there's going to be no escape. There's no escape if we neglect so great salvation is no escape. As the hymn writer says, Lo, the world may say, There is hope some other way. I'm depending on the blood. I asked, are you depending on the blood? Has the blood been applied to your heart? Jesus himself said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Have you come to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Savior and your Lord? Many would want him as a saviour, but they don't want him ruling over their life. Have you accepted him as saviour and lord of your life? I wonder, are you ready for that day when the death angel will come? 
Some maybe say, I would never keep it. I would love to be saved. I have been convicted of sin different times. I would love to have it, but I could never keep it. Well, you see, the thing just the same as the children of Israel. Not only did the blood save them, it sustained them for the journey. And when you trust in Christ as Jesus, as your Savior, you're right, you can never keep it of yourself. But the Lord will keep you. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit will come to dwell within you. And he doesn't come to speak of himself, he comes to speak of Christ. And through the Word of God and by the Spirit directness in the Word of God, we will be strengthened day by day by the Word of God. It will sustain us right throughout life's journey. The Lord Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. So you're right. You couldn't keep it yourself. But the blood will not only save you, but the Lamb will sustain you till you reach your heavenly home. And so today, I wonder if you're saved. If you're not, God's word said, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. Remember Pharaoh hardened his heart and he left it too late. The offer was there. The spirit was striving with different ones at different times and they rejected. I heard the story, I'm sure you've heard of Duncan Campbell, a mighty man used in Scotland years ago. And one night he played the bagpipes at barn dances and all in Scotland. And what happened one night as he was playing the bagpipes, he had godly parents, he just set the bagpipes down and he made for the door. And one of the organizers of the dance says, where are you going, Duncan? He says, I'm going home to get right with the Lord. And if I have it right, I'll never be back in this again. Oh, he says, there's only a phase, you'll be all right, you'll be back again. But Duncan never was back. But the same thing happened. A conviction come on another man there. And they both left at the same time to go home. And they come to a crossroads. The man said to Duncan, what are you going to do? He says, I ain't going home and I'm not going to be satisfied till I get right with God. And the other man says, well, I ain't going home too to think about it. Duncan Campbell was used mighty of the Lord for many years. In Scotland, Nile of Lewis, a mighty man used by God. The other man, years later, the faith mission was in a nursing home in, uh, somewhere in Scotland. And they went to witness this man who just put up his hand. He says, I have made, I, I have made my decision. The night Duncan Campbell got saved, he had rejected that opportunity that night. And he knew that he had missed his opportunity. And though he lived many years later, that opportunity was gone. And he knew he was going to be lost. It's sad, you know. God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If he's not your lamb, why not make him your lamb today? Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ said, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Trust him today, and you'll never regret it. He's the most wonderful saviour. Save now over 30 years and I tell you, it gets sweeter as the days go by. He is altogether lovely. This is my Savior, and this is my friend. Let him be yours too, today, before it is forever too late. We just close in a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you. There's no name like the Jesus. There's no love like the love of Jesus. There's no one give greater sacrifice than Jesus. He is altogether lovely, and we thank you for this. And Lord, we pray today, each one of us that know thee can testify to this. He is our Savior. He is our friend. But Lord, if there are those here yet out of Christ, we do pray that they will close in with thy offer of mercy. Give saving grace, Lord, we would pray. We remember that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. By grace are we saved through faith. And not, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Take us each one to our homes in safety. Give journey and mercies. Bring us back again the next meeting, all back together again in safety. And bless the word that goes forth here week by week. I pray you'll bless it, Lord, to the salvation of many precious souls in this area. For we asked it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.